and welcome to the Headstuff Podcast. This is episode 17 with Ken Early. I'm also here with Connor Wilkins. Hello, Alan. So we just talked to Ken Early, who is the, uh, the host of uh, the Second Captain's podcast and uh, TV show on RTE. He's an Irish Times journalist and um, he's a big sports fan. He's a, he's a great writer and uh, I, I, I love Second Captain's podcast. Do you ever listen to it? Uh, I haven't actually listened yeah. to it yet. I, I think it's great. and uh, A lot I, of my friends actually listen to it. Yeah, I listen, they do like, they release episodes twice a week. And um, I generally listen to all of them, uh, particularly because I like hearing what Ken Early has to say about a lot of stuff. Uh, he's got a great voice. He's got he that does, really yeah. deep, strong voice. Um, but he's, just, he's, he's got very strong opinions about things and, um, and he's really funny about things. And I really like listening to him. Yeah. One so. of the lads, actually, I didn't say this to him. Yeah. Um, uh, but one of the lads sent me a link to... He was on. It was. I think it was during the 2011 uh, Rugby World Cup, and he was yeah. uh, talking to a Welsh radio station. Oh yeah, Ken Burley. Did you? Yeah, yeah Ken yeah, Burley. Yeah. But yeah. Ken on that. Oh my god! It just yeah, cracked, so funny. Cracked up the whole way up. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but, Ken uh, Burley is an, an alter ego of Ken Early. <laughs> if you and, haven't heard uh, it, yeah, you should listen to it. it. It's, it's on SoundCloud and funny. stuff. Um, He's basically just rips into the Welsh team. He rips into the, the Welsh that we were going to absolutely destroy him. Yeah. And they get him back on after... <laughs> after uh, they, well, Wales beat Ireland. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's just... Oh, he de- deals with it in the most perfect way possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, rugby's a game of... <laughs> <laughs> the Irish were mad. No, it's a manly game. Called the, yeah, Welsh, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, listen to that. It's really funny. And um, there's also um, on his Wikipedia page another pseudonym that he goes under, according to his Wikipedia page. And I bring it up in the um, in the in the interview, but uh, it, it 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 doesn't. He doesn't go under that. Yeah, I don't think he likes Wikipedia. <laughs> he doesn't like Wikipedia very much, no, um, because it's full of lies. Um, we've come across that before in some of our earlier podcasts. We took out people's Wikipedia pages, and uh, not always necessarily true. So um, yeah, that was it. I, I enjoyed talking to Ken. Yeah, um, he's uh, he's 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 very funny, and uh, I, I hope did you feel very out of my depth. When you, you know, talking about sports. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For so, I suppose for anyone who listens um, to this podcast regularly, um, this one's got a lot of football in it, um, because you know Ken Early is a football man and he's a football writer, um, and uh, and I like football a lot, and I really enjoyed talking to him about it. It was fun. Uh, so we talk about football and rugby, and that's all the sport, I think. Yeah. So and then we start talking about Tolstoy and Shakespeare. Yeah. So, it's a lot of variation in this. Yeah. So we got we got right back to our our yeah. highbrow listeners and what they like. There you go. <laughs> so anyway, even if you don't like football, he's a very interesting person, and um, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, and if if this is your first time listening to the Headstuff podcast, uh, all of our episodes are up on iTunes and SoundCloud and Stitcher and TuneIn and all those things, and you can go back and listen to them. And uh, we hope you do. Uh, for now, this is the Headstuff podcast with Ken Early. So, hello, welcome to the Headstuff podcast. I'm here with Ken Early. Uh, how's things? Very good. How are you? Good, thanks. And Connor, as as always. Well. Um, so, uh, um, Ken, we're not going to we're not going to talk too much about you because you're bored of talking <laughs> about yourself. <laughs> so, um, but but very but very, very briefly, uh, you're obviously you're a journalist and uh, second captain's guy. Yeah. Um, can we just uh, very briefly get into how, or go into how you got into that uh, you, into journalism? Because um, um, you didn't study journalism in college, did you? Uh, no, I did English and psychology. So I yeah. did it. Uh, I just got a job working with uh, Satanta.com mm-hmm. immediately after I left 
college, then um, ended up working for News Talk. Yeah. Um, and stayed there. Uh, was for, that off the ball at the start? Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, and stayed there for a long time. And then um, now we work with the uh, Irish Times and do a program of routine. And how long how long did were you actually with off the ball? Uh like totally um eleven years, um full time well actually full time only seven years. Um although we were doing kind of football show, like an hour long football show yeah, yeah. from two thousand and four. Right. That was the start. start of two thousand and four, so Okay. Well, um what about the uh the World Cup? You the rugby world cup, you were you were at the Maybe the the biggest, the, the, the most the amazing best game ever played in the history of rugby, <laughs> or is that not how you feel about it? Or well, that's what it was, right? Yeah, well, it seems like that. The most one of the most um, amazing underdog stories. Uh, I mean, we were, ta- we were talking about it last week, and, and Jerry Thornley, I think, wasn't best pleased about it because he he was at Ireland against Canada, and uh, obviously then South Africa Japan turned out to be the game to be at and. He was, he was like, all right, you were at it, so like how many rugby games have you been to? And at the time, I thought, I think it was my third game. But actually, I was wrong. I, I was forgetting two games. So I went to see Leinster play Leicester in the Heineken Cup one time at the RDS. I went to see um, Ireland against the All Blacks in like 2007, maybe. Right. Um, I went to see Leinster against Munster Heineken Cup semi-final in, I think, 2009. Was okay. it 2009? I'm not sure. Uh, Leinster won anyway and then I went to see Ireland South Africa last year right uh, with my uh, my now brother-in-law's stag party so they were my four ever rugby matches before going to the one well I was actually at two over the weekend but you know I mean I've seen it on TV like yeah (laughs) Yeah. I mean I should have got one of those they give you like um, uh, a headset thing so you can hear the referee and yeah yeah because it's kind of important to knowing what's actually happening in the game uh, and I didn't didn't get that, so I was kind of just sitting there watching. But it was quite a watchable, you know. Yeah. It was actually a really spectacular game. Uh, although it was kind of, it was kind of weird because all along you're you're just assuming that South Africa are going to run away with it at some point. Yes. And then they just had kept not happening, and then suddenly Japan had won. It was amazing. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, I wasn't watching it, and I was my girlfriend then at some stage, and they told me that Japan beat South Africa in rugby and I thought she'd made a mistake. She's no interest in sport. Mm. And then I was like, obviously, like everybody else wished I was just watching it. Um, but those other matches you said you watched were fairly high profile uh, matches. Yeah, well, you I mean, know. I'm, I'm like a, you know. Yeah, but... <laughs> like a rugby <laughs> obsessional, obsessionist, you know, yeah. going to go to... But was it the best, it was the best match you've seen live? It was, yeah, it's definitely the best match. And I, I mean, I had, a, I had a good seat, like I was right there by the sort of player's tunnel, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you kind of get a good sense. It's a good game to see up close, like yeah. cause you can hear all the grunting and like yeah. um, the kind of collisions. You can actually hear, right. which yeah, is yeah. good, you know. As opposed to like the last the South Africa, the Ireland South Africa game I saw in the Aviva, I was literally right over the back of the mm. of the highest part, you know, right. like uh, in the kind of corner of the the high end, looking down, and you know, you get it. It was decent actually. I'd never been in that sort of Aviva from that perspective before. It looked kind of cool, but. Um, in terms of detail on the page, you don't, you're not hearing it, no. I'd say. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to even make out who's who sometimes as well. Yeah, yeah, it's not... It's, it's better to be up close, I think. Yeah. Um, did you get talking to any of the Japanese lads? Uh, yeah, but I mean, some of them aren't, you know, they're kind of adopted Japanese. Um, so I didn't speak to any of the 
uh, Japanese, Japanese, because as far as I could see, they, could, they couldn't speak English and I obviously can't speak Japanese. Right. Uh, I did speak to Luke Thompson, who is a uh, New Zealander, I'm pretty sure. He was actually here for a couple of years. I think he played for BlackRock. Okay. Um, uh, talked to him for a while. I mean, they were all hanging around. Like, they wanted to stay there talking all night. It's yeah. like, you know, it's an amazing day. I mean, I remember one, one of the journalists asking, hey, you know, how do you, how do you forget about this now, you know, and just uh, focus on the Scotland game? And he was like, I'm never going to forget about this for the rest of my life. ridiculous <laughs> thing. This is like the peak achievement yeah. of, my, of my whole life. So, was it kind of shock? Was it, do you, did you sense that from them? Like, that they were... They were just themselves. delighted. Like they were just literally yeah. like, "Oh man, this is just amazing." You know, they were just the South Africans were were quite interesting. I mean, they kind of came. It there's obviously a very conscious effort. Okay, we now have to uh, front up, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Victor and Matfield. They 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 had a little talking point, which was um, some of the South Africans were like, "Oh, you know, a bit arrogant." Thought you know, not, uh, a couple of times you could have gone for points and you decided not to. And the South Africans are like, well, well, you know, I think you'll find that uh, when we kick for the corners, we uh, got two tries out of that, so that's 14 points. So, uh, you know, I think you could say that our policy had a good return. On that. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, they, yeah. And a couple of them kind of said that. Um, they were kind of, they, they obviously had something that had been mentioned. By the way, we actually did well out of that uh, <laughs> not kicking uh, for points thing. Yeah. But obviously they, they completely made it told balls of it you know yeah yeah what can you do i mean it was interesting i was reading the other day gordon darcy wrote this column in the irish times which is actually really good um uh i mentioned that dennis hickey was on their our show on, on wednesday and i said to him did you did you read darcy comment that was really good and he said yeah he said it's always really interesting when you get a player who's just retired and like they're completely still immersed in the current sort of state of the art of like what is happening mm. tactically you know what I mean like when when they're kind of analysing games they're bringing really up to date yeah. uh, kind of point of view and Darcy was kind of analysing that he started out analysing the South Africa Japan game and like pinned it all on the South African centre um, saying you know this dude like uh, a lot of the spectators won't have seen it but his teammates all will have, and the coaches will know who was to blame. You know, sorry about him. And gave this like really quite very complicated explanation of why. Yeah. Of he just slightly drifted into the wrong area of space, was moving in the wrong direction at the wrong moment, and uh, you know it wasn't like any of the South Africans were pointing the finger at this guy. You yeah. Know? I mean, it was kind yeah. of interesting. They were all talking about other stuff, and they're right. like, oh, you know, we know it's not good enough. You know? So they were kind of their team unity was quite good, considering the considering that it was like a disaster that none of them had ever. Yeah, like imagine they could ever be part of. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, I'm, I'm going to be jumping around all over the place here, but that reminds me of something else that you'd written about Mourinho about pointing the finger. He's always looking for someone to blame, mm. and so they obviously weren't. They were like, "Well, we lost this together." Um, yeah, they they didn't. Uh, they didn't blame. Well, it's it's kind of ridiculous. Like, you can't, who can you blame for like? Yeah, you know, this, there was no one they could blame yeah. apart from themselves. It was their own fucking. Was there like, a, did you feel like there was a tactical thing, or was it literally just they went in kind of expecting to win and just Japan? Japan played really well and kept scoring at the at important moments and like, yeah. I mean, the the guts the, as well. The try that Darcy was analysing in that column was the, was the second Japan try, which was the one that sort of equalised it. Yeah. South Africa had gone twenty nine twenty two up. Yeah. And then Japan got it back to twenty nine. So that was the kind of crucial moment because that was like with ten minutes to go, twenty nine twenty nine. South Africa had kind of assumed, oh, we finally, you know, we've got over the air. We've just, we've got substitutes on now who are much better than their substitutes. Yeah. Um, you know, we've gone seven points clear. 
they're obviously going to get tired. They yeah. can't they can't sustain this. Yeah. Now now we're going to win this game in the counter. But then that didn't happen. This try came back, and that was the one he, he was analyzing. This was the kind of South Africa made a mistake at that point. Which you know, obviously, I didn't notice. I was like, oh, <laughs> but like it's it's kind of when stuff is happening over the far corner, yeah. which was it was the far corner from my point of view. You're just kind of like, oh, what's going on here? They're running through. Oh, they've scored. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're not. <laughs> it's hard to analyze it though. If you're watching it, you're just so excited for you yeah. know, especially with something like that, an underdog kind of really kicking back. It's hard to analyze yeah, anything really other than just screaming at the TV. Yeah, because it's, it's basically it's basically what you're watching shouldn't be happening. Like, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. irrational. Like it's yeah. not. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like no, n- nobody could possibly predict with any on, on any reasonable basis that South Africa, that Japan could ever beat South Africa. Yeah. No. It's just not possible to predict <laughs> that. You're like you're just like well, no, it's there's you know, it's uh, not possible. Have you thought about other kind of memorable moments from sport to compare it to, or something like that has happened before? Because it's really. I've thought about it a little bit, but I wouldn't have, you know, an extensive knowledge as yourself. But have you, have you, is there anything else like that that's ever happened that big? I think most people agree uh, it's the biggest in rugby, but yeah. in other sports. Um, what about Ireland beating Italy in '94 with that? No, no, n- not because Ireland remotely good. comparable. Yeah, I mean Ireland had played Italy in the quarterfinal of the World Cup, the previous World Cup. Oh yeah, you know, right. yeah, yeah. And I mean, the sides were actually quite evenly matched. I mean, Italy probably had more. Good players, but you know, it wasn't as though they could. Yeah. You know, over the, there was two legs. They won one, two games. They won one, one nil, and we won the other one, one nil. Yeah. Quite even teams. There's nothing comparable to Japan and South, no. and South Africa. Maybe more now. If Ireland were to beat Italy now, maybe. Well, Ireland have a good record against Italy. I mean, uh, apart from like Euro 2012. I mean, we yeah. played them in the qualifiers, yeah. drew two all and one all. Yeah. You know, I think I don't think there's that. I don't think there's that much of a gap. I mean. They're obviously better, but I don't think they're South Africa compared to Japan no, better. Yeah, no, I'm I'm absolutely wrong. Were you at Euro 2012? Uh, yeah. Was it the worst? Uh, <laughs> was it the worst time to be an Irish supporter? Um, no. I mean, it was good. It was it was it was great for the for the kind of first bit of it until they started playing the games, and then it was like, <laughs> oh, no, this is not this is not going to be good. I mean, we we kind of everybody sort of. Had thought there was a, must be a decent chance of Ireland beating Croatia, and then yeah. obviously that like, Croatia ended up just slaughtering Ireland, and yeah. uh, suddenly you're like, oh right, yeah. I mean, it's bad to get that result in your first game because it kind of kills your anticipation a bit for the. And then the second game was just this unbelievable thrashing. Was that Spain? I mean, yeah. it was just so yeah. like it was embarrassing. That was more like they made us feel like, um, you know, total. You know, it's like that. That seemed as though we were just not capable of playing the same sport as them. Yeah. It was amazing when you talk back to... I was at the Spain-Ireland game in the 2002 World Cup. Ireland actually had more possession in that game. I mean, Than Spain, really? Yeah, we did. I mean, which is which is natural enough, given that they were leading for most of the match. Like, Morientes scored in the first half, and then usually... I mean, remember Spain then were different from Spain. Yeah. Now, Ireland were also different. Yeah. Um usually a team that's leading tends to cede a bit of the ball. That wouldn't necessarily happen with Spain anymore. They continue to dominate possession even after they yeah. take the lead. But in those, you know, in that instance, it was more like a normal game. And we actually, I think, had 52, 48 possession over over 120 minutes against Spain, which isn't something you can really imagine happening now. Yeah. And it was just a penalty shootout, wasn't it? Who scored that goal? Um, um, Mar- Mar- Robbie Mar- Keane scored, Finnan scored, Kilban, Connolly, and yeah. Holland all missed too. Um... So, 
I wanted to go back to that the, the, the rugby answer that the guy gave that you said that uh, will you focus now on, on the Scotland game yeah. he said I'll never forget this it's obviously it's a, it's a great I'm not going to forget this yeah, yeah. yeah it's a great quote um, but I think football players always have stock answers so I was like no it's just a win we should focus on the next game you know they always say kind of, I feel like they always say the same thing do you do you, do you get tired of, of that or do you feel the same that they have these stock answers and even if you, they even answer different questions with their stock answers uh, I mean, they're all different. You know, some some players are more, you know, open to talking about stuff than others. I yeah. mean, someone who isn't, for instance, would be James McCarthy. Right. James McCarthy is an extremely uh, uninterested in speaking to the media, <laughs> which is which is fine. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. his. That's just his way of doing it. And uh, he literally answers every question by just saying something like, "Oh, it's water off a duck's back." Uh, <laughs> And like the questions are like water off the back. Literally, that's the way that he, you know, he just doesn't. He's not. He he doesn't feel the need to be interesting for your fucking right. benefit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Roy Keane maybe had exactly the opposite problem. Like he couldn't resist right. giving yeah. interesting answers to things. Yeah. Um. It's like he just didn't want people to think he was boring ever. Like. You know? <laughs> um. But. Yeah, but I mean, so so there's obviously a range, you know, and it depends what kind of mood they're in as well, you know. Yeah. I mean, you're not gonna, Someone's just lost the matter. I mean, one of the worst things about covering Ireland is that oftentimes, if you you know, it's not a good result or it's like a disappointing. We, there were so many times where it's like we've been one nil up and then let in it go. It's like oh, yeah. So so the, afterwards, the result just hasn't been that good, and no one really wants to talk. It's like yeah. oh, what went wrong? Yeah, oh, fuck yeah. off. Like, yeah. That's <laughs> you can understand it from a player's point of view. Yeah, of course, of course yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, but I mean, I, some of them, you know, it depends on. Some some of them are more open to talking about stuff than others, and also you might catch them on a good day or a bad day. You know, I mean, yeah. they do get asked a lot of questions. They get asked a lot of banal, yeah. uh, boring questions. Yeah, often it's yeah. the same kind of thing. You know, often it's got nothing to do with them. It's yeah. a question they can't really answer. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. oh, what do you think of like your teammate who played really badly? Yeah. <laughs> Mostly, that's you know not an answer you can give. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you do give an answer to that question, then there's going to be a problem. <laughs> you yes. know, in the team. Unless you're saying, "Oh, he played great." Actually, he was, you know, he's he's pretty well standby. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So oftentimes, the best thing for them to do is just shut shut the whole process down and not really give anything away. Yeah, you're you're primarily a football man. You prefer football to rugby. Do you, do yeah, I mean, I was I was kind of I never played rugby when I was young. I wasn't like a rugby school or anything. And right. No one played rugby around where I was from. You know, I mean, yeah, I think yeah. it's probably a bit different now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd um. Uh, had you a trial for Marseille, or is this also Wikipedia lie? Uh, that's not. That's uh, just one of those. Just one of those things, you know. Just made up. <laughs> just, <laughs> just one of those things. I mean, it shows why you shouldn't necessarily believe Wikipedia. Yeah, that's why I wanted to ask you. <laughs> yeah, because you, you you were a swimmer. I, I've heard you saying that yourself, so it wasn't a Wikipedia thing. Yeah. So, if you did have football trials, I was interested in how you got from out of the pool onto the football pitch and. Um, um, well, I was a bad football player and um, <laughs> bad, uh, you know mediocre swimmer, like right. I didn't say, okay. I was, I didn't say I was a good swimmer. Right. Uh, my brother and sister were very good. I um, I was not. Yeah. You have to have a, a certain appetite for pain to be a swimmer. Yeah. You have to really like physical pain. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. My cousin uh, was a swimmer and it didn't seem like a fun thing to do. Well, I mean, it's kind of it's. It's a discipline, yeah. I mean, it's like it kind of it's a spiritually rewarding pastime if you can <laughs> if you can bring yourself to 
think about it in the right way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to, I struggled with it a little bit because having to get up at like four, half four in the morning, yeah, like go to the pool and then like do really hard training, like really hard, yeah, like far harder than anything um, footballers would do. Yeah, you know, in terms of physical intensity. I mean, I just really wasn't. Uh, most of the time, feeling like that at that hour of the morning. No, <laughs> some people are. Some people just get up and want to like, oh, let's go. And some people are just like, oh, are you really more of a morning person bed. now, or is it the same? No, not really. I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't really. Nah, I mean, I don't get up. I don't. I try not. To, I mean, we had for a long time. We were working until ten o'clock every night. Yeah. And so naturally, you don't necessarily go straight to bed, and you don't yeah. get up at like seven in the morning either, because yeah. it's not really much point. Right. And so even when you were swimming and when you were in school and everything, you had a big interest in football. You followed, um, the, you follow Arsenal, right? No, no. Oh, you don't? No, absolutely not. Oh, do you not? No. I thought you did because, I don't know why. Oh, because you predicted that they were going to win the title this year. No, that's not because I support them. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know. It just I seems like a supporter thing to do. I had a delusional <laughs> belief that Arsenal might... Uh, Be better. Might get it together. Well, I mean, come on, like they should. Oh, absolutely, I agree with you. You know, like Mourinho was saying the other day, like, uh, oh, I love their squad. What a, I love yeah. every player in that squad. Yeah. I don't understand why they don't win the league every year. Like, he's obviously doing it to to wind up, yeah. you know, to annoy Wenger. But, like, yeah. it's, it's also true. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. they, they, they do have a couple of problems. Like, Alexis Sanchez has kind of stopped. Yeah. You know, he's obviously As run out said, of energy. Yeah. yeah. Um, hopefully he'll kind of... I, I wasn't really expecting that to happen. Um, which is kind of stupid because when you look at it, he's played solidly for two years and was always going to be a, eventually catch up with him. Yeah. But like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, Giroud, when I was saying it as well, I kind of I, I sort of assumed that they'd be probably buying somebody and they they ended up not buying anybody apart from Czech, you know what I mean? Yes, yeah. Which was just like, what are you doing? I know, yeah, that was strange. Why Why don't you? I mean, it's, it's not, it's stupid. Apparently he was interested in Martial but then just didn't... Like I mean, it's not good. We're all interested in Marshall now, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's, they, they, it's he. He must be sickened by that because that's exactly the player that he he would always previously have got. Yeah. And now that player is now at Manchester United. Yeah. And looks to be seriously good, like he does, yeah. terrifyingly good. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, what is what 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 exactly what is the edge that Wenger's now bringing to this club? You know, why is he? You kind of get the feeling that another manager could actually do a better job now. Yeah. They're, they're unbelievably rich. There's not that much else great about Arsenal at the moment. It's not as though they really are, you know, have a have a um, um, ability to produce like lots of. You know, they haven't they haven't got like home produced players. They have players who nominally have come through their youth system, but yeah. like really, they're all signings. Yeah. You know what I mean? The the advantage Arsenal has is that it's the biggest club in the biggest city in Europe. It's the only. Profitable club, isn't it? Is it the only one that's not making? Lots? No, most of them are profitable now. Oh no, are they? They're, prof- they're profitable now because the, the TV deals become so insane. Oh, of course. They all yeah, they yeah. all suddenly turn into profit. But Arsenal yeah. is like, um, Ar- Arsene Wenger has this in cash mountain. You know what I mean? Like yes. he's not, he's got Should a huge. Spend, yeah. What is it like? One hundred eighty million pounds or some insane sum of money? Jeez. You know, and it's just sitting there. It's like, well, well, yeah. I mean, it's sitting there making Arsenal's board and shareholders richer all the time. You know, yeah. but like. Yeah, use it on the team. You know, it's it's being it's money that's being harvested from supporters. Like, I mean, yeah. they're harvesting all those people in the Emirates every week. They're harvesting all the you know that's, that, all this this TV deals are like ripping. You know how expensive it is to have like football. I, mean, I don't know if either of you have like uh, you know Sky or yeah. BT. It's, it's 
fucking expensive. Yeah, you know what is, I mean? Yeah, it's really Getting cool. deer all the time. There's now basically the Champions League. Uh, if you're in England, you have to pay to watch now. Oh really? It's not. Yeah, it's, it's on. It's on BT Sports. Oh, I don't think it's. It's. Is, is it on ITV anymore? Um, no, it's normally on RT or, or TV3, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, because there's UTV yeah. Ireland here now, anyway, they, we couldn't get, like, the ITV... They couldn't show the Champions League on UTV Ireland because they don't have the Irish rights, whereas previously we were able to watch it on ITV. Right, you yeah. Know, so, I don't know. I mean, I think that's the case, actually. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe ITV still do have some live yeah. rights. But it seems like uh, it's getting more expensive to, to watch football. Anyway, the point... This was all relating back to Arsenal. It's not like the money, the TV money is coming from nowhere. It's coming from all the people who are paying to watch it on TV. Um, in Arsenal's case, they've got all this money and it's like, what, what is the ultimate purpose of, yeah, of what yeah. you're doing? Apparently the purpose is to get rich for, yeah. you know, for the shareholders of Arsenal to, to make money for them. And that's just like, there's something really off-putting about that. Yeah, that's not it's like, that's right. not what this is supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, we can all understand these these clubs are a business at some level, but you you've got that say, oh, you know, clubs are a business. They're not really a business. No, it's a, it's a different fans. no, it's, it's a club. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different type of of entity. Yeah, you know what I mean with like a sl- a slavish um, customer base that can't like, you yeah. know, is believes that it can't possibly go to a competitor. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like does that? Uh, so it's it's just it's not the same kind of thing, and and. That that money isn't really Arsenal's money. No. I mean, it is. They obviously treat it yeah. as though it is. But like, they should use it yeah. to on the team so that people come to the stadium and have something which is worth watching. You know, it's just. I'd love to see what would happen with a new, with a change in management. I think a lot of Arsenal fans as well would. Oh, absolutely. Would definitely because just the same, yeah. same shit. Yeah. You on, you're on Wenger out now, are you? Well, I'm not like Wenger. I mean, Wenger is like he a, obviously did good stuff years though. ago. It'd be interesting to see. I think it'd be interesting for the league as well. Yeah. I mean, he's he's like a. It's it's impossible to to really dislike Arsene I mean a lot of people dislike Jose Mourinho like yeah. really don't like him because he's obnoxious yeah it makes sense um, and Wenger's not like that Wenger is like um, you know uh, polite kind of dignified uh, intelligent mm. uh, not a, a bullying or you know vindictive type of presence but he does seem to be a bit of a stick in the mud at the same yeah. time it's like there's an absence of kind of dynamism yeah. which is which is kind of a it's like a passive quality it's not like Jose Mourinho doing something objectively obnoxious like poking someone in the eye or yeah. you know bullying his doctor or whatever you know what I mean yes, yeah. it's like not doing something it's like not just sitting there and not like a kind of paralysis you know yeah. like why have you not you can see that Giroud isn't good enough no no yeah, way is Giroud yeah. going to be like a a, a Premier League winning third, striker, third striker maybe. The yeah, guy you bring off the bench. There's, there's no way, I mean, and and it's not as though Giroud is just like a recent signing, and they're hoping he's going to come good. He's no. been there years, and it's, yeah. not, it's just never going to happen. Like no. he's always going to score a few goals in the Premier League, but he will not do it in against you know Manchester United against Chelsea, yeah. those kind of games that Arsenal have been so bad in. Yeah, and everyone can see that. So why doesn't he do something about it? It's his responsibility to do it. If he doesn't, then maybe they should get someone who thinks he could do something better, you know? If you were there, would you blow that money on one big, like a Ronaldo or a Suarez or something? Well, I mean, that would be the that would be the best way to do it, wouldn't it? Like, uh, yeah, just... Because they don't need many out. players. They've, they've got loads of good players. They've so much creativity. Yeah. And no, nothing, no, no one to finish, I suppose. They don't really have... Yeah, that's what it is. I'm not, yeah. There's no... I don't really get the sense that there's much of a team there. You know, yeah. Like, I don't get the sense there's really a kind of a sense of... Like, who is... Who's in the Arsenal team? Who are, like, the kind of leaders of the Arsenal team... What's the? Well, you know, it should be. I suppose Ozil and Sanchez, right? <laughs> Ozil is not or Wenger's trying to build up. Um, Sanchez is like Sanchez is the kind of player who can 
who can give an example to the other players. Um, I think I think he had a huge impact at Arsenal last season. I mean, but it, when he's not playing well, then yeah. Yeah, that's kind of blunted. I mean, I don't know. It used to be quite clear at Arsenal. You had Adams and uh, Keogh and Vieira, Bergkamp. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Bergkamp is really the key to the whole thing at Arsenal. Yeah. Um, I think. I mean, Bergkamp, more than anyone, was the player who... Uh, when 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 Wenger first arrived at the club, um, I was reading this actually quite recently. Who was it? Who was talking? It was a former Arsenal player who was talking about it. Um, he was he was talking about how to the extent to which Bergkamp essentially decided how the training was going to work. Really? And Wenger was kind of quite hands off. He was like, you know, I I am one of these guys. I believe that, I believe the players can. Uh, it's better when the players find the solution. You know what I mean? Uh, and Bergkamp was kind of really calling the shots. He allowed Bergkamp to do that, you know, in the training. And Bergkamp is like an obsessive trainer, you know, one of these guys who's a real, like you, any Arsenal player who played with him, Henri or Van Persie, any, any of these guys will always say, you know, watch Bergkamp in training was amazing. You know, he's just yeah. one of these kind of, I mean, a lot of a lot of people seem to say that's a sign of a great player or that's one thing that most great players have in common is taking training really seriously. Bergkamp was like that. I think he was kind of setting the tone, you know, for as long as he was there, because if you look at it, they stopped winning stuff yeah. precisely at the moment Pretty when he after, when yeah. he left. You know that was yeah. that was the end. The last thing they won, I mean, they've won a couple of cups recently, but um, Bergkamp left in two thousand six, I think. Yeah, I mean, he was already. <clears throat> it's all downhill. He was already kind of in and out of the team, but he was obviously a presence of the training ground. I think it was two thousand six last season. Nothing since then. They got to the Champions League final that year. Nothing at all since then. Um, yeah, that is. Uh, What's he doing now, Bergkamp? He's at Ajax. He's a, like the reserves manager, I think, at Ajax, okay. or the UT manager. Because he could, he could probably step up to being a manager someday if, if, if he had that much though, of an It's difficult, though, because the manager has to, has to fly around. Of course. He yeah. doesn't do that. He could just do it in, in Holland, be a manager. <laughs> yeah, he could, he could. But, like, I mean, even then, if you go to a European match, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? You've got to get yeah. a plane at some point. I mean, yeah. the whole, all of European football is predicated on the notion that people will get into planes. yeah. And Burkham, he just won't get into a plane. Well, he says he's in, he's not going to do it. He's just he's scared of it and it yeah. freaks him out. So he just he decided long ago, I'm done with that. I mean, he did, and he he was. I think it was the USA '94 was his last time that he was flying. Whoa. He was in which, which was quite important because they were big yeah. distances to travel. Yeah. yeah, and he was flying still at that stage. But then it was after then. I think he said no. So I don't know. I mean, it's obviously kind of. Uh, I don't know. It's an irrational fear. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't mean it isn't like, uh, you know. I'm kind of afraid of flying as well, but you have to. But everyone's it. everyone's kind of afraid of flying. You just Are they? It, Some people love it. Nah. <laughs> I mean, you just have to put it to the back of your mind, you know. I know. Yeah. If you, it's either just not fly or just or kind of ignore the, you know. I mean, people say, oh well, it's uh, it's safer than being in a car, which statistically is true, but like it doesn't feel that way because no. statistically. If your car well, breaks down, you stop. You're in control of your car. You feel yeah, like you've got more is, yeah. control. Yeah, lack of control. Yeah, that's and if something goes me, mechanically yeah. wrong with your car, the odds are it's just going to stop and you can get out and yeah. like, get really angry. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, but like as opposed to... Uh, you you know. can get angry on a falling plane if you want, but <laughs> it's not going to help. It might help. Another thing that you said there about the, uh, the, the kind of the slavish support that these clubs have, like like, like customers that feel like they can't go to your competitors. Um, how, how do you feel with that? Do you feel like people should be allowed to change allegiance? Or um, 
People do you are allowed to change allegiance. Well, allowed, but society should allow it. Do you support a Premier League team or follow? Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, I think I think maybe it's it's changing a little bit in terms of uh, you know this whole idea of like oh, I'm a, I'm a supporter. You know, um, I <laughs> cut me and I bleed black and white or whatever you know, <laughs> stuff. It's like I don't know. I mean, where, why is I that think when you're like, younger, it's more of a well, for a lot of people, for me and a lot of people I know anyway, is that when you're you know younger, you're a diehard Liverpool fan mm. or you know. I love basketball. I was a diehard Chicago Bulls fan or whatever. But I now, if you're just watching, I just it seems I like to see win. Yeah. Or it seems I like to watch play. Yeah, mm. yeah. You know what I mean. I still would say that oh, I support Liverpool, but I don't really, you know. Yeah. Watch anyone. I mean, play. it just because nobody ever changes. Really, nobody ever says I used to support Arsenal and now I support Tottenham. You know, maybe that's an extreme one, but mm. I mean, it's it, it kind of strikes me as, as you, you kind of should be allowed. I mean, if you support Chelsea. And then you hate what they're doing. Like, you hate Mourinho and Diego Costa and how they play football and all that stuff. Hmm. Why can't you decide? I, I mean, you're allowed, I know, but you, no one would accept it <laughs> to well, just switch. I don't know. I think you, I think you can. I mean, increasingly, I mean, the, the, I mean, previously, I suppose, the support of a club is identified largely with the with the local community. You know, you're, yeah. this is actually really your local community. I mean, in, you know... Um, in England in the 70s and 80s that was largely the case and now yes. it's not the case I mean no. now it's like the whole world is watching this stuff yeah. we certainly have no um, excuse in Ireland for the Premier League like. no no one really has any has any deep ties mm. you know what I mean like um, to the to these foreign cities yeah <laughs> it's difficult to maintain that there is I mean you get people who are like well you know my relatives all live in <laughs> Manchester you know this kind of stuff but like realistically you don't have any ties you're just kind of yeah like people all over the world, you know, supporting these clubs. And I think, I think it, with support of that nature, it's quite easy to change. I mean, people have players that they like. Yeah. You know, Luis Suarez played for Liverpool, went to Barcelona. I'm sure quite a lot of yeah. Liverpool supporters. Let's just say, remember in Uruguay, they were watching uh, Liverpool matches. <laughs> like the 2013-2014 season, the Liverpool's title run-in became like this massive TV sensation in Uruguay. Yeah. I, I don't know how many of those people are still Liverpool supporters. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, that's, that's fine. You know, that's just like, yeah. that's the way it is. You know I mean, maybe Liverpool had a team that was really worth watching at that time and now I they don't. don't. So yeah, really. if they did have a team that was worth watching, They'd be picking up supporters all over the world, you know. I mean, they wouldn't necessarily be lifelong, dyed in the wool yes. Reds. Yeah, yeah. But you know, uh, it would, uh, at least in the short term, mean they could make more money from their sponsors. I suppose if that's the end goal of it. I don't know. Yeah. What's your um, your updated uh, prediction on the, on the league? Is it just Man City now, or? Well, it looks like Man City, but I'm I'm wondering about Man United now, actually. Yeah. Because I mean, if they if because because you were previously looking at it going. Well, Rooney is not really... He doesn't look like he's going to have a very good season, let's say. Yeah. Um, he, he can turn it on. Like, he, he often... Like, the middle of his season is often very good and dies away at the end or something like that. Yeah. He, he's, he's streaky. He kind of always has been. Yeah. And you thought that De Gea was going to be gone. Yeah. They're going to have Romero. Yeah. He's not very good. No. Now they've got De Gea. De Gea looks happy as ever. They've got De Gea. He's signed a contract. Yeah. He may even stay. He was captain the other night. Um... They've got Martial. Yeah. He's scoring these ridiculous goals. Yeah. Like, he just completely started off, like, I have, there's never been a start like it. No. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, so that, that kind of changes things. Yeah. 
I mean, you've got a striker who can score a lot of goals. You've got a goalkeeper who's probably the best in the league. Yeah. Um, well, why, and also, suddenly, why aren't you going to be yeah. contenders? I mean, there's still like I still think when you look at their team, you know, it's not as though it's it's not as good as their team in 2008. Say, well, no, but they had Ronaldo then, didn't they? But mm. uh, but even like Smalling has really stepped up. It's like mm. you know, a player who looked okay, I suppose, over the last couple of years. Now he looks like well, so far this season, seems like one of the best defenders in the league. I'd say, standing in front of mm. maybe the best keeper in the league. Yeah, and so so I mean, as well as uh, linking up well with Martial, and you see Man City, um, Man City kind of throwing away stupid points against West Ham, and you're like, yeah. well, that's that's the Man City now that I remember. Yeah, that's yeah. why I didn't think, that's why I didn't think Man City would win the league at the start of the season. Until yeah. all this team is just inconsistent. Like they don't really, whatever is going on with the team, I don't know. That they, they don't really, you can't rely on them. Yeah. Um, and they have got a few older players. I mean, that was the problem last season. They have brought in the Browner, who's going to be very good, yeah. and yeah. Sterling, who I think is very good. Yeah, I agree. Um, although you know, Sterling hasn't really Sterling's missed more chances than he's scored, I think so far. But I, you know, I think he's definitely improving their team. Like he's a ten times better than Jesus Navas. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. they're obviously going to be better. I think. I think one of those teams actually. I think it'll be one of those. Manchester. Yeah. Um, I was reading your, your article about the um, elite managers. Um, that was just recently, wasn't it? The um, was this the high-level coaching? Of yes, high, yeah, the overcoaching, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so you're kind of suggesting that it could be the end of the excitement of the Premier League if there's too many of these high-level coaches. Well, I mean, you know, it's just, it wasn't, I don't think that's ever really going to be the case. I mean, it's just... Um, I mean, you have to write something, <laughs> uh, but like, but like, you know, the the way that they were both going on about what a great game it was in the first half was just it wasn't a great game. It was it was it was a really it was the worst Liverpool Man United game anyone. Yeah, the had second half was definitely seen. better since nineteen ninety six. I mean, that was just a, that was a really bad FA Cup final. But the, this was atrociously bad. Yeah, and then they come out and Van Hal with his kind of. Arrogance. Van Hal is funny. Like, I mean, I like I like Louis Van Hal because I think he's got like integrity. Yeah. I think he's like sincere about the kind of person he is. But he can't he can't help himself sometimes. <laughs> but you know, he obviously thinks he knows much more than everyone else about football. And sometimes someone says something that that pisses him off, and he can't resist um, correcting them. <laughs> and so, for instance, it was uh, Jeff Reeves saying to him, "Oh, you know, can you explain why you think he played?" So much better in the second half than in the first. Right, bearing in mind, second half, 3-1 to Man United. First half, nil all, nothing happening. No shots by either team. Yeah. And Van Hal was like, oh, you know, we played much better in the first half. Basically, you're an idiot. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and you're like, you didn't, though. Yeah. You didn't. That's, not, that's not what anyone has come to see, like this yeah. team passing the ball around against, an, against yeah. another team that's not even interested in having a game. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? It's just, that yeah. was terrible. You know, so... It was more kind of the the idea managers trying to tell us, oh, this was great. No, it wasn't yeah, great. Like I mean, that's not what anyone's there to see, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they Van Hal could have in in that circumstance gone. Well, we were magnificent in that second half. You know, we we were great. I mean, what a player. You know, praised people and sort of talked yeah, about yeah. How, how. But instead, he was like, "You're stupid. Like, don't yeah. don't put it that way. Like, no, you're wrong. You know, he yeah. just can't help himself doing yeah. that sometimes. You know. I suppose a part of it is maybe. I don't, I'm not inside his own head, his head, but maybe he wants to try to keep Martial grounded for as long as possible. 
not lavish too much praise on an 18-year-old. Good luck to him with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, he pointed out, I think, after that, well, it was kind of easy for Martial because, you know, <laughs> Liverpool were kind of leaving gaps at the back of that stage, yeah. so that's why I put him in. And, you know, but, like, I mean, I don't know. I think he's... And he knows... Just the, just the finishes have been so, like... Nonchalant. Like, just like he's, he can do it, like he's still in a, a school a schoolyard. So that's, that's amazing. really remarkable. Yeah. Who, who who do you think is the... the uh, one of the more exciting managers that's actually playing exciting football and not maybe overcoaching or or is there any of them now? Um, well, I don't know. I mean, you mean in the Premier League? Yeah, just in the, in the Premier League. Um, I guess Pardew. <laughs> <laughs> Pardew's, I mean, you got to look at Pardew and think, Jesus... Yeah, guys, you know, a lot I mean, of people hate Pardew, but he's yeah, done he's, some he's amazing a, things. He makes no apologies for it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but then Ferguson's book is like, I rang up Alan Pardew. I was like, Alan, you're not falling out with anyone anymore. <laughs> you're not Alan Pardew anymore. <laughs> like, basically, the essence of his character is like this obnoxious, yeah, figure like falling out with people, calling Pellegrini, you know, whatever he called it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but like at the moment, I mean, they just got like a kind of quite exciting. Team. I mean, yeah, considering yeah, yeah. Palace's usual level, you know, yeah. Swansea, Swansea are playing really good They're football. Yeah. yeah, they've got really good midfield. Um, I mean, you don't know who who to credit really. I mean, Gary Monk obviously, but it's, I mean, did he sign all these players? John Joe Shelby. Yeah, I mean, Shelby's been great. Andre Ayew is an amazing signing. Yeah. Um, um, you know, I think they've been they've been very good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean the turnaround between from Pardew from when he left Newcastle and what happened to them, and then the massive increase Crystal Palace had when he did go to them. Yeah. He's he's quite a great manager in, in a way. I don't know if he can kind of sustain it. Maybe it's a big mm. question mark. Uh, yeah, I think it, he usually has a good p- impact at a club initially, and then after a while, you know, starts to things start to go wrong. But like that said. It's not like he's really worked at any rich clubs yet. Yeah. He's always had that against him. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's it's not easy to um uh to to keep succeeding at a, you know, he's he's been successful at clubs and then frequently he's had players taken away from him yeah, because of course, you know he's yeah. a kind of a club where like Andy Carroll and you he only arrives at Newcastle and Andy Carroll was gone, so that's not really a good yeah. um Kibaya, reference point. It's gone and Kabaya wanted to leave anyway, you know, it was like, yeah. it kind of ruined everything, you know. Yeah. So maybe it's unfair to say, well, he, he I do think he, he, he does have a tendency to get, uh, to get a little bit, to kind of exult a bit in his own yeah. victories to the extent that, like, he kind of starts losing the plot a little bit. Yeah. I think that's, that's but he's, he's not the only manager who, who uh, does that. What about Pardew to replace Wenger at Arsenal? I don't think that would ever happen. No. Uh, no. Pardew and Wenger had a, had a couple of, Kind of bouts of Tips. a couple of yeah, yeah. I think Wenger would not allow that to happen. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's not like he gets to decide his own successor no. probably, but I just I just think it would be too much. It would just be adding insult to injury. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think I don't think Fargi really has necessarily done enough to get control of a club like Arsenal. I mean Arsenal is like a, Arsenal should be a mega club. Mm. You know they have the financial resources to be that. Yeah. Um. So I think they they would probably conservatively. Go for a big established name of a coach. You know what I mean. Clapper, somebody Cardiola, like that. 
I think so. Because that would be the conservative choice. Like, I mean, you, you know, we want to interest this to a proven yeah. top person. There's really only a, a tiny pool of names that you can go for. Right. I don't think Alan Pardew is one of those. Yeah, no. like, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, all right, just want to maybe talk to you about some um, kind of uh, other types of cultural things. Um, they, there's, a, there's a lot of kind of reference to literature and... and um, and Shakespearean references to football in your writing and in your um, podcast. Um, maybe the only, or one of the only sports kind of writers that I see a lot of literary references in. Um, so that's obviously, is that a big love of yours, literature? Or? Not really. I mean, it uh, depends. I mean, you know, there's a quote by, um, is it, uh, who was it talking about? It's uh, Bertrand Russell talking about uh, Aldous Huxley, <laughs> I think, and he said you could tell from his conversation which volume of the Encyclopedia Britannica he'd been reading. <laughs> Once One day it would be Alps, Andes and Appalachians. The next it would be Himalayas and Hippocratic Oath. <laughs> and so he he basically thought that he just kind of, whatever he was reading, he just sort of was recurred And I was kind of like, yeah, I kind of do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So if I, whatever I'm sort of reading tends to just end up getting spewed back out, right? Okay. Meld it in with whatever football is happening. Have you recently read King Lear? Or uh, no, but I was reading that uh, Leo Tolstoy essay about oh, the, okay, yeah. how Shakespeare is complete shit, <laughs> and uh, I thought it was interesting. And then I read the George Orwell essay about uh, why Tolstoy is totally wrong. Yeah, and who actually, do you agree with? I kind of agree with elements of both of them, right? Like Tolstoy is basically like. Like this is like fucking rubbish. Like I mean, yeah. all these plays end up with like half a dozen bodies being dragged out by the feet. Like it's just sensationalist. Um, it's just trash. Yeah, he's just trying. He's just going for like effects. None of this makes any sense from a psychological point of view. Yeah. Why? Are, why are these people behaving this way? It doesn't make any sense. Like why would yeah. why would King Lear do what he's doing? Not really explained. Why would the daughter like insult him? Well, I kind of love you, you know, quite a lot. But you know, yeah. why would you? Why would she do that? It's weird. Like, why? Why would she behave that way? Suddenly, yeah. why does he believe that his evil daughters are truthful all of a sudden? When like they're evil, <laughs> they're a pair of snakes. Like he knows exactly what they're like, and suddenly he falls for every bullshit that they say. Yeah. And then like he casts out his favorite daughter just because like she's honest, <laughs> even if it is in a weird kind of provocative way. Yeah, like this is stupid. Yeah, and then like and but uh, Tolstoy then kind of writes about how like. He kind of goes through the whole plot, making it sound totally ridiculous, saying, well, this is actually just a dispassionate, like, account of the plot of King Lear. But actually, it's, like, really... He makes it sound as weird as he possibly can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, uh, King Lear, like, wanders around for some reason, like, just talking nonsense, and the fool <laughs> is, like, rabbiting up and down. And, you know, then these other pointless characters come in, and they, they like, wave their arms about. You know what I mean? <laughs> so he's making it all sound... He's making it sound, like, totally ridiculous, while yeah. claiming he's giving a totally unbiased account. Right, you know? yeah, yeah. It's good. It's kind of... It's, uh... It's, uh, it's funny, like... Yeah. I must, I must look it up, because I actually hadn't read... Um, I hadn't read King Lear, and the plot does seem absolutely ridiculous. It's stupid. It's, it's yeah. totally stupid. Although he picks out King Lear because it's, like, probably <clears> the, the worst most, example yeah, yeah, of that. Yeah. But, like... Uh, the point that then that Orwell is making as well isn't it kind of weird the way that like uh, Tolstoy also like gave up all his land and money yeah. and like ran off with one of his daughters, 
you know, to die in a train station. What was it? Well, I mean, obviously he, that that hadn't happened yet by the time he, but he did he 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 did give up all his lands and titles and stuff. Yeah, and and didn't want to you know wanted to renounce all his his worldly wealth. Okay, so all was kind of saying there was something about this story that sort of struck a raw nerve with him. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that he didn't like it, you know. So the reason he picked that one to, yeah, to bully. Like, I mean, it's it is it, the plot of it is obviously ridiculous, um, but I think maybe Shakespeare, it's the, the writing maybe stands up. It's such a different time. He was writing for stage as well, which is completely different to writing. Well, that's, a, that's that's another thing that Tolstoy has a go at. He's like, well, you know, he lacks the fundamental. This is a, he's basically saying Shakespeare is a hack. He's not even average. He's, <laughs> he's, he is he's he's really bad, and the, he lacks the most fundamental attribute any uh, dramatist or any writer needs to have, which is the ability to give his characters, individuals, speech, like their own voice. So you can tell the the characters have different ways of speaking. You can tell them apart. He's like, he can't do that at all. All the fucking characters sound exactly the same. They all talk this ridiculous Shakespearean language. (laughs) You could put any line from any character into the mouth of another character and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. And this is just... In in my opinion, doesn't really stand up to scrutiny. Kind this of is, the point. <laughs> this is this is what he was saying, you know. So yeah. he has a lot of uh, a lot of issues. Right. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, what kind of stuff do you read? What are you reading at the moment? Um, well, I was reading. I spent a lot of the last couple of months reading all these old Tolstoy uh, books, oh, right. okay. um, which I never read before. I, well, it was weird. Like I'd read War and War and Peace, the war bits of War and Peace. Okay. Like the peace bits are much better, <laughs> but I didn't. I wasn't interested in those bits when I was like fifteen. I was like, yeah, you know, yeah. they were kind of going over my head a bit. Okay. Now, and I was on, I was on holidays. Uh, I was on holidays in Sicily, and I had like this crappy book. Um, what was it called? Stranger Child or some bullshit like this? It was like a, it's like a kind of a thriller, like schlocky yeah. holiday. And I was kind of reading book. it. Yeah, and I was reading. It. I was like, this is terrible. Like I, I read, uh, what was it? The girl on the train. The girl on the train was quite good, right? Yeah, I, a lot of people talked about it. Yeah, it was. It was like it, was, it, it, it sold as a copy. My wife had it, so I was reading it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is pretty good." So I, I was kind of wanted to read something else along those type of lines, but anyway, I was reading this book, Strangers, and it was just really boring. I was like, "Oh god, I can't." Oh my god, this is so bad. And I had Anna Karenina on my Kindle as well, and I was like, mm, "Anna Karenina seems a bit heavy for holiday." Boring. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of boring, you know. But at the same time, this book is so bad that yeah. I'm gonna try reading and I was reading it and I was like this is amazing yeah. this is ab- absolutely brilliant like, yeah. how did I not realise how good this was so so I read the entire th- I mean it takes ages to read it's like really long yeah. and then I was like alright I, I should read so I'm now reading War and Peace again but like the full thing as opposed to just skimming through to find like the like the <laughs> bits of Napoleon yeah. um, <laughs> but it's amazing Like they're, they're, they're yeah. brilliant you know it's like uh, yeah, honestly, absolutely amazing. So, is it, is, are you big into the the Russian writers, or is it just twelve? Never, I was before, but I'm right. like totally going to read all these now. You know, yeah, then yeah. I'll start like dropping in references to them, yeah. making sound as though I'm an authority in this area. <laughs> the lady with the little dog and all. Would you read any of kind of like um, like sports, you know, biographies or any of that kind of stuff? Oh yeah, well, I was reading like Ferguson's new one and Gerard's new one. You don't have much to say about Ferguson's new one, or I mean, you. you d- well, I haven't read the whole thing yet. I read it. I've read nice like a third of it. Um, did you read the first one? I did. I mean, I I I was talking about the other day on our podcast. It was like, 
uh, said Oxford and could write a great book. And I'd forgotten, actually, that he did. He actually already did. In 1999 or 2000, his book, Managing My Life, was really good. Okay. I mean, that was the one he wrote with Hugh McAvaney. Mm. It's, it's a really good book. Right. I haven't read that one. I read, I read the second one. The second one was uh, it's just bad. Like, just very bitter, kind of, you yeah. know. It's, I, thought it was, I thought it was poor. Oh, is that the one where he's, like, selling scores and he's, like, taking down yeah, people Yeah, the whole book seems to be kind of, like... I think it was a, a rush job, though. Yeah, right. Like, you know, the, they, they wanted to get it out uh, within a few months of him retiring. Yeah. Make more money that way, and they made loads of money out of it. It was the biggest selling book of the oh, year so by miles. Yeah. yeah, so um, I was, yeah, I thought it was, it was disappointing <clears throat> because I think he could have written such a kind of a profound book on management and on the sport, yeah. but it turned into a kind of a just a you know kind of a name calling contest, like you know. Mm. He see, I mean, he doesn't. I don't think he's like actually systematic kind of thinker. Like you know what I mean? I think he's just a guy who was brilliant at handling situations as they arose you know he yeah. just kind of had a knack of no i don't think he can necessarily quite explain how it was that he did it yeah. like he'll, he'll always like talk about like control control is everything blah blah blah. but i don't think he actually really had a like a system you know yeah. a set of rules it doesn't sound like it no i think he just was case by case he yeah. he just got it right more often than not like you know and, and when he's when he's called on to explain it it's like a player trying to explain how he can dribble you know it's like yeah yeah mm, yeah i don't know i just kind of got past the, the guy like it's yeah. just sort of obvious you know with Ferguson, I mean, you get this sense that these books are very rambling. Um, uh, I don't know, like the 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 fir- this, the autobiography in 2013 yeah. was kind of like a ghost-written column. It sounded like you know where, where you ring up the guy and he like blah blah blah, and then you just write down his thoughts. It's, yeah, but yeah. It was kind of shapeless in a way, but I think that was probably a reflection of, of how quickly they had to get the book out. Yeah. yeah. So, whereas managing my life was like Ferguson himself had written like two hundred thousand words of notes, I think, and like gave McIlvany this big sheaf of papers. Yeah. Um, he took a real interest in that himself over a period of years because yeah. I think he thought it was going to be his definitive right. last word. You know, yeah, yeah. he he didn't realize then that he was actually going to keep going for another ten or twelve years. Yeah. Um, so I must look that one up. Yeah, it's it's yeah. much better than the you know more recent ones. Did you read the? Uh the Roy Keane books, the Roddy Doyle one and the mm. Eamon Dunphy one? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, the, I thought they were, I thought they were okay. I mean, I think Keane is interesting. Like, oh, yeah, I think he, so too. You know, he, he just, uh, he's prepared to tell you more about himself than Ferguson is. Right. Ferguson doesn't really admit to weakness or mistakes. Right. Very occasionally he'll admit to a mistake. Yeah. In Keane's book, he does... Uh, in a very funny way a lot of the time to say oh yeah I was, I was wrong about that but he kind yeah, of yeah. but then he'll say but I wasn't really <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean I don't know I think he's I don't know he's definitely I mean you could you could criticise the book but then you're like well who which footballer has done better ones you know I can't yeah. really think of any so and at the end of the day they're, they're footballers and kind of managers they're not Writers, authors, or well, Roddy Doyle was a writer. Like, I don't think, you know, but the um, to analyze, I suppose, how you actually do things as opposed you know, in, in, to articulate it a certain way. Mm. Um, I suppose it'd be hard for a lot of people who you know can't yeah. introspect on themselves that, that easily. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't know who, who necessarily could who, who could do it. I mean, it's not an easy thing to do, I think, yeah. You know, so. 
I've never actually read a football biography. As much as I like both football and books, I keep them separate. Yeah, really? Yeah, I don't know why. Maybe, and, and I love Roddy Doyle, so maybe I should read that one. But do you, oh, get you find you find out there's like little funny stories in it. Like you know, yeah. just read them to get like a little. Yeah, yeah. Some sporting know. sporting biographies are like people like Mike Tyson and people like that, like these sporting giants who are. Like his book is, if you read that, you go, Jesus Christ! <laughs> like he articulates perfectly how he came to be, right. you know, this greatest boxer just because he was told lunatic. But Andre Agassi's one is that is incredible. Oh yeah, I want to read that. Actually. Incredible, yeah. yeah, I haven't actually read it. Myself. My brother read that. He said it's great. That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, so you're, I think you're also into music. Into music. There was something I wanted to ask about the uh, second captain's. Uh, TV and podcast. There's sometimes there's um it's a bit of Kanye West in the back. I don't know whose choice that will be. Mark Horgan. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, he's in. He's doing the. Um, he's in charge of the music. Okay. We 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 often Kanye West comes up on our podcast because he's uh, fascinating. But yeah. do you have a, a, a music? Are you in? in what, what kind of music are you into? I suppose all kinds. I mean, isn't everyone kind of basically into all kinds of music now? I heard someone recently say, "I don't like music." Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Most people say that. Yeah, it's what is such know. a weird thing to say? Like, how well, can some people just don't don't really hear it or yeah? But know? I don't like music. I mean, it's such a kind of sweeping state. There's so many types. I know some people who don't like music. It's just like doesn't really register with them just like it's a bit of a waste of time alright I mean uh, I, I think I mean I remember when I was a kid like uh, obviously when you the music that you listened to was limited to the music that you actually owned yeah. and, the music, and you owned um, only that music that you could buy yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was usually of one genre or just a couple of genres and it had like implications for your lifestyle, dress, <laughs> you know, all those kind of things. Yeah, that that was true, kind yeah. of, and I just don't really get that sense anymore. It's like well, everybody it's can listen really, to yeah. everything yeah, yeah. at any time, yeah. and like which is which is better? I think it's ridiculous, like the idea of people assigning themselves into these little tribes based on what kind of music yeah, yeah. they listen to. You know, yeah. Um, uh, I'm not surprised that it seems to have gone by the wayside. But I mean, it's better now that everybody can listen to everything. But maybe people don't have quite the same attachment to. Uh, yeah, you know their own little. Like, if people are into music now, I think it means they're into all kinds of music. It's not like yeah. they're not going to limit themselves to one particular genre or because it's just record. it's what's the point? Like it's, yeah. it's, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, I just have want to ask you about one last thing before we before we wrap up is uh, just podcasting in general. So your podcast is obviously is, is wonderful, um, but do you? Uh, What's its place in the world now? I think is is the is the kind of question in comparison, like say to radio, is it? I don't know. Is it marking the end of radio? Which is a crazy thing to say, but do you know um, what I mean? well, I don't think I think it's the same thing as radio. Okay, but it's obviously radio kind of on demand in a way. Yeah. So I mean, um, which is it? Which is again a reflection of of um, the technological change. Yeah. I mean, the reason. I mean, why why is a podcast called a podcast? Well, it's called because of iPods, uh, which were the thing that it, they were originally played on right. when they when people kind of first started doing them, which would have been, I guess, you know, two thousand three, two thousand four, that kind of time. You yeah. know, when the iPod kind of became a thing. Yeah. Um, and then they sort of had a falling away, I think, in popularity over the subsequent couple of years, and now are bigger than they were ever before mm. and that has to do with the fact that most of the old iPods weren't 
online and now people yeah. listen on devices which are all online. Yeah. So you can kind of access this stuff really easily now. It's not like you have yeah, to, yeah, oh, yeah. I have to like connect to iTunes and like download this stuff and like yeah, transfer it yeah. onto my iPod and like carry it around and like you can now just stream stuff immediately. You don't even have to have it on your device, but you can access it. Everybody kind of, most people have that stuff now. It, like far more people have uh, a device which is at least 3G and which they can listen to streaming audio on than, for instance, on radio. Yes. You know what Definitely, I mean? It's yeah. like a more common device now. Yeah. Um, and obviously you can listen to radio on a, on a phone as well, but it's That's like thing, yeah. it's equally easy to listen to exactly radio, to, traditional radio, which you're not actually really, you're not listening to traditional radio in the sense of radio waves being transmitted from a you know big transmitter up on a mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're listening to the radio station over the internet, but you can also listen to everything else that's on the internet. Yeah. Um, I don't think it means the death of radio or anything like that. Uh, I mean, it is a pr it is problematic for radio stations just in terms of it increases the competition. Yeah. Um, but like radio and, and podcasting are basically the same as far as I can see. It's, it's just like people talking about stuff, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's not that much of a difference. But it, I suppose because now you can listen to both on your mobile device or whatever. Um, and that you've got the choice now. You can listen to a podcast that you want to listen to, mm. which is, you know, you've got five or six that you listen to or whatever, or you can listen to a radio show that's on right now, yeah. and then you can't listen to the radio show later, unless they make a podcast of it, of course. Yeah, um, or you, you usually can listen back now. It's like most of them have that facility, you know what I mean? Like, they're all, most radios, yeah. I think, I mean, if you you can go back and listen to something, but, like, it's not, it's kind of, with the, the, the obvious difference with radio is that radio, live radio is focused on that very moment, you know, whatever is going on is yeah. supposed to be the subject of conversation versus we're a podcast not really like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't have the same kind of immediacy. Yeah. We well, don't have to be immediate either, so in a live radio you're expected to. If there's something going on somewhere in the world, you're expected to be talking about that. Yes. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Cool. Well, I enjoy it. I think it's fun. <laughs> it's, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, well uh, I suppose we leave it there. Um, Ken, thanks very much for coming on to the podcast. Not at all. Thanks, thanks for having me. That was the Headstuff Podcast with Ken Early. I uh, hope you enjoyed listening to that. I enjoyed talking to him. So did I. Connor's here. Um, Connor, who did the sound from Wilkins Sound Systems. Um, and yeah, it's over now, so uh, you can take the earbuds out of the ears and move on with your life. <laughs> we should say where it was recorded, should we? Yes, we should. We should. It was recorded in the Westland Studios building. Yeah. Um, thank you very much to the ADK Music Group um, who uh, allow us to use um, the studio in there. It's very much appreciated. Um, and you can check them out on AD, ADK Music Group dot com or dot ie you'd have to try both because i don't know exactly which one it is <laughs> so just check that out but they're good guys so professional yeah so professional um you can listen to this on wherever you are listening to it but if you are listening to it please you sound like you're speaking really fast <laughs> are you all right am, no. am i speaking really fast i don't know, it sounds like you're running down a hill <laughs> <laughs> that's what it really sounds like i'll be honest with you okay just finish it off and use this. <laughs> okay. Well, what I was trying to say was you can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud and please rate and subscribe um, and follow us and do all the things that iTunes like because it helps with our ranking and that would be really good. Um, five stars is better than four stars. If you're doing anything less than that, just don't bother. 
That's not very fair. It is very fair. Four or five stars. That's all you get. People have a voice. This is free content for you. No, don't use your voice. This is not democratic. It's free content. Give us our five stars. So thank you for listening. Time is valuable. (laughs) That's true. Time is valuable. Um, Okay. So thanks for thanks for listening, and we will be back next week with another episode. See you later.